Welcome back to the podcast of the River Anglican Church in Blacksburg, Virginia. Today, Deacon Mary McDonald kicks off a new series called God's Property by talking about creation. So here's Mary. So we have just finished a series on worldviews about how our Christian worldview intersects with the worldviews of the world. And we heard many different sermons on this, and one particular one about uh, how Hinduism is impacting our society through the the yoga and and through different areas. And I just want to say I love Hindu students. I work with Indian Hindu students all the time. I had eight over for dinner last weekend. But I'm going to tell you a story, and it's it's kind of a gruesome story, honestly. Uh, I work in the rural villages of East Africa teaching animal health care workshops. And at the end of the last short-term mission trip that I took with some vet students, um, we decided to go see the wildlife at Murchison Falls National Park to learn about their conservation efforts. And I asked the armed guard, um, when was the last time there was an animal attack? And she told me about a young Hindu family who worshiped the elephant god. And when they were on safari, they saw the herd and they were very excited. And the man, the husband, slipped out of the van with the infant child and walked up to the matriarch of the herd to get a blessing from the elephant god. And he was promptly charged, and they were both killed. The reason Pastor Jonathan spoke on a series of worldviews is because worldviews have consequences. Our worldview and how it's being impacted has an impact on us and others. Well, today we begin a three-week series entitled God's Property. The theme of this series is that whereas our world thinks of what we have as ours, this is not what the Bible teaches. This series will focus on how we are charged to care for God's property, including God's creation, our bodies, and possessions. Please pray with me. Lord God in heaven, I thank you that you are with us today as we study your word. Help us to understand and obey it. Speak your truth through your word. Peel away any incorrect thinking we may have and open our hearts to your will for us. It's in the power of your Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. The title of my sermon is God's Property, the First and Last Commissions. In my sermon, I hope to raise a new awareness of God's marvelous creation and God's desire for his image bearers to be good stewards and to show how nurturing nature can be a form of worship and a tool for evangelism for unbelievers. So who remembers what were the very first and last assignments that God gave to us, the very first and last thing that he spoke to humankind? Well, we'll circle back to the second one, but the first assignment he gave us is in Genesis 1. And if you could read this aloud with me, please. So God created man. God created 
So he tells us what we're supposed to do. He gives us a commission. The word commission comes from the Latin word to entrust or to commit. And God gave us a job in these first verses. And it's our duty to take care of his possession. So may I call this the creation commission? (laughs) Thank you. The first thing that God does after creating us is he blesses us. And God never gives us a task to do without blessing us to do that task. He Then he commissions us to do some jobs. What were the first jobs? Well, he tells us to be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth. That is the job description of humankind. The first two commands to be fruitful and multiply must have been easier because we figured that out pretty quickly. The world population in 1800 was 1 billion. The world population reached, excuse me, reached 2 billion by the 1900s. And today we have nearly 8 billion people on earth with a new birth every nine seconds. We have been fruitful and multiplied. But what does it mean to rule over or to subdue? Today, we often define subdue as to conquer, defeat, or to subjugate. We may taint the meaning with an egotistical or capitalistic worldview. However, the word subdue has a meaning linked to the very character of God. And because we are made in the image of God, it links to our behavior as well. God is not a bully, but full of love and compassion. And that is how he cares for us and the rest of creation. As image bearers, we share in the responsibility of the one imaged. We are children of the king. The Anglican priest Christopher Wright points out that to subdue or hold sway over means that God is passing on to human hands a delegated form of God's own kingly authority over the whole of creation. Wright goes on to point out that the way God reigns in creation is depicted in Psalm 145 and is characterized by his wisdom, power, goodness, grace, compassion, faithfulness, generosity, provision, protection, justice, and love. Let's look more closely at creation's commission. In Genesis here, If I'll say the first part, and God said, and then you read what he said. Okay, can you all see that? No, it's in your Bible. Okay, and God said, let. So God created the great 
Have you ever thought about the fact that God gave creation the same command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth as he gave to us? And we are commissioned or stewarded to manage this. They are not given the command to look after us, but we them. They are trying to do their parts multiplying, but are we doing our part. According to a Cornell University study, there are three billion fewer birds on earth than there were in the 70s. There's a great garbage patch in the Pacific Ocean, two times larger than the state of Texas. The Alaska snow crab harvest season has just been canceled because there are a billion fewer snow crabs. Many fish populations are overfished and declining. And God said, let the land And God saw that it was good, and yet in the last 50 years, the worldwide wildlife population has been reduced by 69%. With the encroachment of people across the migratory route in Africa, it's no longer thought that elephants will be sustainable in the wild. I worked with orphaned elephant babies when we lived in Kenya, and there is no more wonderful creature than the baby elephant. Then God said, if you every seed-bearing plant, It was very good. He gives every green plant on earth, not just to us. God made them. They are his property. He gives them to us for our food, certainly. But reread that line. Everything that has the breath in it, I give green plants for food. It isn't ours to squander or to take away from them through habitat destruction. Did you know that there are fewer trees now than at any point in human civilization? 
Thomas Crother from the Yale School of Forestry says, since the spread of human influence, we've reduced the number by almost half. There are nearly 50% fewer trees left in the world due to deforestation. As God's image bearers, we should emulate his character in our care for his creation. It is our creation commission. We should tend to his glorious earth. Just as we are to be good stewards of our bodies, which will be the sermon for next week, we are to be good stewards of his earth. And the saints are to tell of the glory of his kingdom so that all may know God's mighty works. How well can we tell others of his mighty acts of creation? We are standing by a polluted river with dying fish. As a veterinarian, I see how the Lord puts in people's hearts various passions for different aspects of his creation. So just raise your hand if you're one of these. So they're cat people, they're dog people, they're horse people, tree people, bat people, fish people. They are even snake and bee people. <laughs> Very good. And there are even people doing their PhDs on bees, right? <laughs> So God gives us a passion for each of those, and I would encourage you to care for that area of your passion. Can you help care for the ocean by picking up trash in your local creek, praising God as you go? Are you a bird lover? Can you help with the great bird count? Love to walk in the woods? How about planting trees? Who likes lightning bugs and butterflies? Lightning bugs are already becoming scarce. They are non-existent now in many states. Even the monarch butterfly was put on the endangered, endangered species list this year. Will our great-grandchildren ever see these marvelous creations in their lifetime? Is there an underlying problem with extinction? I believe there is. When a unique form of God's handiwork is lost forever, it cannot draw others to the cross in praise or redemption. This involves us seeing the world as God's property, not ours. Our stewardship does not make a difference. Our, our stewardship does make a difference. Research shows that if a fishery is assessed, proper decisions can be made on how to sustainably manage it. And the stock assessment and strong management leads to more fish and sustainability. Sustainable forestry balances the needs of environment, wildlife, forest and forest communities, supporting a decent living for the people that live there, as well as conserving our forest for future generations. A scientist named Mueller in the 50s won the Nobel Prize for showing that the chemical DDT 
could be used as an insecticide. Not all progress or tech is progress. DDT's widespread use nearly wiped out the bald eagles, peregrine falcons, and the brown pelicans. When it was outlawed in 1972, they have made a tremendous comeback. You see, when we are obedient to the creation commission, our stewardship leads to sustainability. Sustainability for us, sustainability for his creation, his creatures. But it is not just taking care of his possession. Can we be intentional in worshiping him and practicing the presence of God as we make stewardship choices? As the 17th century monk Brother Lawrence wrote in his book, The Practice of the Presence of God, it is enough for me to pick up a straw from the ground for the love of God. And we ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. Is it possible that we can pick up trash for the love of God? Can we sing praise music as we ride our bikes to work, meditate on creation verses as we plant trees, do a devotional together before we hike with our youth group or receive oyster beds? Can we plant pollinator gardens at our churches and recycle or plant a vegetable garden like they have at the church in North Carolina and allow the homeless to come and eat and take vegetables home? free? Or are we able to just slow down and sit in awe of this incredible world he has made and deeply commune with the Lord, undistracted by man-made noise and technology? Can we be an example for our children in silence, slowness, in solitude, in God's creation. Taking them away like Jesus took his disciples away to a desolate place for rest and refreshment. The creation commission was given in the first instructions God ever spoke. It was the first thing he ever spoke to us to do. It is in the DNA of every person's calling who lives on this planet Earth. We also have the task of reflecting God's image in a broken world. Do you remember what were the last words Jesus ever spoke to us on Earth before going to the Father? Anybody? They read it today. The Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That was the last thing he said to us. The word disciple means a follower. We must follow Jesus first. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to come speak to me or someone in the church. I'll get you a cup of coffee after church. 
and or we could go on a hike in his creation as soon as I can walk again. <laughs> Some non-Christians blame Christ followers for the destruction of the earth, saying that our bad theology of taking dominion of the earth has led to the pilgrimage, the pillaging, raping, a strip mining, the overfishing, the pollution, and a host of other environmental ills. They point fingers at Christians saying that we have our heads in the sand and are ignoring the environmental decline and making it a political issue. Folks, creation care is not about politics. It's about obedience. If you are aligning your obedience to politics and not obeying God's creation call, your worldview has been distorted. It's a matter of obeying the first assignment the Lord ever gave to us in Genesis. Can we show love for our neighbor by showing that we too care about the planet? How might Christians being environmentally responsible cause non-Christians to take notice and reverse some of the negative attitudes that they have towards us? How might it turn around some of the devastating environmental heartbreaks that are now impacting our world? Dr. Gretchen Stokes, who used to go here to the river, is now at the Anglican Church in Florida, having finished her PhD in wildlife and fishery. And twice a year, as the director of creation care at her church, he organizes the church to go and pick up trash out of the local streams. And she pairs up with the local non-Christian group. The group said it was the first time that they had ever had a faith group offer to help. They said they didn't think church people cared about the environment. What a great witness to the unbelieving world to see God's image bearers taking care of his handiwork. What a great way to develop relationships through, through serving creation, but really serving the creator. But te in teaching those who only know to worship creation, how to worship their creator. What a great way to have a platform for the good news of Jesus Christ. Can we creatively use gardening or hiking or bird watching or even walking our dogs to be a vehicle to build relationships with those who need the love of others and the love of Christ? Romans 1.20 says that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made so that people are without excuse. This is why it is so important that people spend time in nature. It's because it's one way God draws us to himself through his creation. Verse 22 says that, that although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, birds, 
animals, elephants, and reptiles. I think that if a believer had led that Hindu couple to Christ in Uganda, there would not be a young widow today who lost her husband and child in an animal attack. Folks, the church is bleeding. Many have left during COVID and they are not coming back. Many prodigals have left the church. There are many who would not set foot in a church building and yet they love spending time in nature. Yet not knowing their creator, they are left to worship only his creation. Can the use of God's nature be the most strategic tool we use to love others to Christ? Can our own acts of caring for creation be acts of worship, drawing hearts, our own hearts closer to Christ? Can obeying the great creation commission become a movement in the church reducing the environmental decline? And for our parishioners, each of us, what would happen if churches began to take people out in God's creation where they could be far away from the noise in their heads, in their hearts, and could hear the whisper of God in his creation? To contemplate our walks with Christ, how might it draw us all into a closer walk with our Lord? How might it give us spacious places to listen to God? and the movement of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit was first translated not as a dove, but as a goose? Hence the goose. You've been waiting for that, right? <laughs> Why is there a goose up there? In conclusion, how can we apply this sermon? Dr. Gretchen Stutz and I launched the Anglican Creation Care Network a few weeks ago at the new Wineskins Conference. Our goal is forming, informing the Creation Care Network is to ignite and equip hearts for Christ through cultivating faithful stewards of creation. We want to reclaim and restore and reconsecrate Christ in creation in conservation care. Our webpage is like a clearinghouse. I think there's one more slide there. There we go. We want to ignite and equip hearts for Christ through cultivating faithful stores of creation. And our webpage is like a clearinghouse to collect and distribute resources for believers to get into God's creation and worship the Lord. You should have received a bookmark when you came in. There's a QR code on the back of that, and you can go to the website and sign up and hear more about it or be on our monthly calls. The believers can get out in God's creation and worship the Lord and share Christ through creation. So I hope you have seen in this sermon that you have a creation commission coupled with the great commission. I hope you have a new awareness of God's marvelous creation and God's desire for you as his image bearers to be good stewards and also to see how nurturing nature can be done as a form of worship as you go and a way to bring unbelievers to Christ. As I close, you may take a position of prayer. I close the prayers of the people, a short prayer for creation care.
Lord God, we thank you for your wonderful creation. We thank you that you have given us a commission to take care of your, your creation and to use it to lead others to Christ and to use it to worship you. I pray that each of us will be compelled to love you as we are tasked with this great commission and to love others. And we thank you for the many gifts. And we pray for a restoration of many of the devastating impacts that are now taking place across this planet. And let Christians, let us be the way makers in the light and the ones who lead the way to help in your restoration and to be good stewards of your creation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from the River Anglican Church. You can find us on the web at theriverinrv.org, also on Facebook, and you can join us in person if you like on Sunday mornings at 9.15 at 110 Roanoke Street East, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. We hope to see you again next week.